So what's my future? You don't have one. I see you, but you can't see me. And welcome to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. My name's Hunter, and of course, like always, I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Shelby. I don't know if I'm a good friend, but I'm definitely a co-host. You're, you're both things. I mean, we had like a whole like side quest. I would actually even consider it a main quest to Georgia. We, we, we uh, went to a, we, we rented a hotel, we, we drove, we got gasoline, we, we hit it all. We, we had a Halloween bonding experience. I did trust you enough to drive a vehicle from Florida to Georgia, so I guess that says something. That's true, that's true. Whether or not that was out of necessity or want, I'm still <laughs> unclear on, but I, I understand. So Shelby, we're in an interesting position because doing the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights, you know, we're really known for doing history and retrospective and like current event reviews. And this time we're in an interesting spot because you and Matt and myself, I I did mine separately. You guys did one together, but we had already talked about HHN Light. We talked about Revenge of the Two Fairy and The Bride of Frankenstein Lives, but since then... A little house to probably one of the most anticipated IPs of all time, Beetlejuice, opened very, very quickly and temporarily on November 1st and 2nd. It was a surprise to a lot of us, that last house, but I'm excited to actually sit down and talk about it with you because I don't think we've seen each other since that day that we both No. We got to kind of do like quick reviews on Beetlejuice. Uh, we were both invited to talk on Joe's Parkscope podcast. So shout out to him. We were able to get out a little bit, but we knew it was something that we kind of had to come back and talk about on the actual podcast, along with just a little bit of a mini, eh, excuse me, a little mini history of HHN Light and kind of break it down uh, for the things that. Being very fortunate to be Central Florida residents, uh, things that we were able to see this this Halloween season that a lot of others didn't, unfortunately, get a chance to see. Yeah, unfortunately. But it this is 2020, and it's been a pretty crap year for a lot of people. So it's understandable that a lot of people didn't get to go out and go see it, um, which is unfortunate. But we're we're pretty fortunate in that uh, in the fact that we are Central Florida residents. Yeah. But. Um, I I could see these houses returning next year, if not a couple of them. So I'm, I'm sure people who missed out this year will have a chance in the future. Sure, sure. And we'll spend a little bit of time talking about that because there is um, all sorts of stuff that we can delve into besides just what was already on our plate this season. But why don't we go ahead and uh, start off with just the first part, well, kind of like the first taste of HHN that we got this year. We got the HHN Tribute Store extraordinarily early this year. We got it on July 28th. Um, And I just remember that that beautiful season where we were all like, 
wait a minute, they're opening the HHN Tribute Store? Okay, I guess this will be our taste of HHN this year, not knowing the storm that was eventually going to come. Do you remember that day, though? The day we were supposed to get some announcement. We didn't know what the announcement was going to be. We were hoping it was going to be all the houses all announced at once, and the Tribute Store Mm -hmm. was going to open that day. Sure, sure. Little did we know it was the announcement that the event was not happening this year. And, yeah, uh, I remember you were at Duff Gardens with Duff from uh, HGN 365 when the news happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were we were over at Finnegan's, so still like a stay and scream location. Oh. But I um I got a little bit of a tip off from a from a good friend that hey, like some serious news is going to drop tomorrow, and I was like, oh man, you know what? I need to be there at the resort when this news drops. I hadn't actually been to the park since they had closed at that point. And I was like, okay, well, I've got the, the, the popular rumor and consensus was even the team members were telling people, hey, the tribute store is going to open this particular day. I feel like maybe they decided that it was a little morbid to open up the HHN tribute, uh, the HHN tribute store the same day that you announced your postponement of the event. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a weird day because it was something that I feel like a lot of the community felt was for the best and in the best interest of public safety. Um, but it did carry a lot of weight as far as like, what the hell am I going to do for Halloween this year? <laughs> uh, and little to our surprise, there was definitely plenty to do during Halloween. Yeah, um, all safe and socially distanced, of course, but there was definitely some stuff to do. Uh, but the fact that the tribute store literally opened in the middle of July was crazy. Yeah, it was it was really just wild to have something Halloween Horror Nights that early. Normally, we don't get our first inkling until, you know, kind of like the first week of September and things are starting to ramp up. But I remember just like the merchandise was leaking online and people were like, what is all this stuff? And to get a surprise store like that, relatively early was pretty cool there was a pretty persistent rumor that seems to be based in fact that there was supposed to be a celebration of the universal uh studios florida park store that was supposed to be Mm -hmm. in that location which is with the parks being closed that store not opening is why we got hhn so early but it is uh it was cool It, it like i i feel like as we went through the tribute store numerous times it kind of, I said this on Parkscope too, we kind of started to, at least on my end, I kind of started to take it for granted a little bit because it's so yeah. cool, but it's like when you go through a ride 15 times instead of your first time, you're kind of just like, oh, this is nice, instead of like appreciating okay. it for what it really is. Yeah, it was, it was there for so long that it just kind of became a thing that was just like, oh, it, it, the tribute store is there too, that's fine. But it, it yeah. really is. Uh, it was a work of art done by the uh, visual merchandise team who always just cranks out something amazing every year. Um, sure, I sure. My favorite parts were... Uh, God, what was my favorite part? I like the Moldoramas. The Moldoramas yeah. were great. So popular that they brought them back for the Christmas tribute store, as I found out today. Yeah. There's a Santa Claus and a snowman. Yeah, they're adorable. I love them. And they both say Universal Studios in the bottom, I, I think. Nice, nice. But, um, exclusive. So, the tribute store facade, uh, was pretty awesome this year. It was probably the best facade that we had gotten for a tribute store up to this point. Would you agree? Oh, oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. 
Yeah. But going into the HHN tribute store, that first room, talk about a huge impact. Uh, basing that on Dr. Frankenstein's lab. Oh, man, mm-hmm. that's that's like a perfect setup. I feel like we kind of all expected for it to be very icons heavy. And there is an icons themed room, uh, the next room over. But the fact that this first room was paying homage to the history of the Universal Monsters. How awesome. Oh, yeah. For sure. I, I didn't even notice that there was like a Pepper's ghost effect above Frankenstein's monster until my friend pointed oh. it out. Oh, that was my favorite part with the lightning. Yeah. Yeah. Had no idea. And he's like, oh, yeah, look up there. There's lightning. I was like, oh, my God, there is. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a cool stuff. Uh, I, I mean, like the first time you go in there, like you do get that kind of apprehensive. Uh, excuse me. You do kind of get that apprehensive feeling where you're like, is this thing about to jump at me? What What is about to happen with this <laughs> giant body? in the center of the room, but just like going in for the first time and getting walloped with that smell and then seeing like all these gears and cogs in motion. And you've got like the bubbling sound effect, that electricity, it really came together to make something special. Yeah. And that wall of like pipes and stuff. It's almost like a, almost an Instagram wall. You can just pose in front of and take pictures. Like I think every room almost had a poseable area for your Instagram photos. I thought it was really clever that they incorporated something like that. Yeah, I think it is something that's like required. I mean, we're going to talk about it a little bit more when we get to Beetlejuice. But, you know, last year, being in the Ghostbusters like firehouse and, and being in kind of that area really kind of set things going forward for like these highly immersive like photo op sections. And then, you know, you had the Stranger Things room and the Universal Monsters room in that one. Um, mm-hmm. But like they're really going super detailed on these themed environmental spaces that just end up sucking the money out of you. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Like I fully did not intend to buy any Christmas things when I went to the Christmas store, but the magic magic of marketing made me buy a couple. (laughs) That's Christmas spirit. That's uh, that's American (laughs) capitalism, baby. So going into what was in the second room, Shelby? Oh, man, that second room. It was like uh, you were walking into, was it Dr. Oddfellow's circus? Yeah. There was his wagon and there was circus tents and lights and, uh, you know, the star of the show, Jack the Clown, is in the center of the room. Um, But I think the centerpiece of that room was the massive wall of pumpkins, like uh, jack-o'-lanterns. That was all of our profile pictures for, like, two months straight. Yeah. (laughs) I I think I said it on a on Joe's podcast. Like, I couldn't tell people apart on Twitter for a while because everybody had the pumpkins <laughs> in the back of their pictures. Yeah, yeah. This room, I mean, you mentioned Jack, but then you do have the posters for kind of like the the big four as far as the HHN yeah. icons plus the Usher, um, just because Jack is like the centerpiece. One of my favorite little touches is Chance does have her little pumpkin directly below Jack, and I'm like, oh, that's that's a cute touch. I like that. Yeah. I wonder if they're regretting selling that that Chance mannequin that was in the antique shop, the prop store oh, for forever um, because they could have just put her in here. <laughs> that would have been, that would have worked out, but I don't know. People don't like chance for some reason. Blows I don't get it. I don't get it. But um, yeah, this room was awesome. This was the most just like straight up Halloween feeling room. And it was not only the jack-o'-lanterns, yeah. but just like the color palette, that very strong red orange feel throughout. It was a very, 
I don't know, like sacred sounds too serious and like religious, but like it was a very special place to be in, especially going in in July and being like, oh my God, it's Halloween. I I can't believe this. It's incredible. It almost felt though, because around the time the tribute store opened is when we knew that there wasn't going to be an event. We didn't know HHN Light was happening. So it kind of felt like we were mourning a loved one. (laughs) We were walking into something Mm -hmm. that we weren't going to be able to experience. And it was like, almost like denial like the, you would go through the stages of grief every time you'd walk through the, the tribute store <laughs> sure um, sure and like that is that does bring up a very interesting thing because it does i feel like each of these rooms minus the original concept room which was the attic with the the different food options mm-hmm. was obviously pulled from one of the haunted houses for this year yeah yep 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 and it was like a seeing something that we weren't going to be able to experience that year or hints of something that we weren't going to be able to see. Well, that we knew at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was kind of sad. It was bittersweet is what it was. Sure. Sure. It was was nice to have at least something at that point in time. And I think it was kind of smart to open the store that early because it really helped people uh, grief. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Yeah, it did. It's kind of like a catch 22 because you could open it early and you're kind of capitalizing on that. Hey, like, sorry, we don't have the event, but here's extra time to experience what we have to give to you um, without knowing that HHN Lite was possibly going to be a thing. And then, but on the other hand, it was kind of one of those, since we had HHN Lite, it feels like the tribute store was kind of disregarded a little bit like maybe it didn't by the end of the event get the kudos that it deserved and i know for a lot of you listening like it's like oh man we've talked about the tribute store so many times but i think it is important to note it just as far as like its overall impact of its year and basically for a while it was like hey this is this is all we've got yeah exactly it was uh pretty special on the very last day to walk through with a friend of mine who helped uh put it all together and he like walked us through and pointed out like little Easter eggs and stuff that he included and stuff that like, you know, the normal people wouldn't see and stuff that they've like, put a lot of passion into. And it's crazy the amount of work that went into that store. And the store is only open for, you know, three or four months. It's not open that long. So I think it's sure. really a really special thing for, uh, for Horror Nights that a lot of people don't appreciate as much as they should. Agreed. Um, so I'm going to ask just for one thing. I'll, I'll start off just to make it easy. This was the room where we got our really like specialized Halloween Horror Nights, like fan base merchandise, whether that was like the hoodies, the shirts, the shot glasses, the socks, the posters, the piece of merch that I absolutely loved this year was a shirt and it was a poster. And it's one that I know, like maybe you've taken a little bit of inspiration from recently. It was that awesome, like greatest hit scare zone motif that they put together with the pumpkin lord character blood and bone i'm like looking at it at my wall right now and i remember like all the the theorizing where it was like oh my god is the surprise guest the two fairy who is this person and just like it's such a cool art piece and it was my favorite thing to come out of this event um merch wise yeah i like that one a lot it was very uh different looking from the rest of the merch and that's why i appreciated it a lot because it was very yeah not in vain of my style, but like more in the cartoony sense of like artwork than the rest of the artwork was. I, I like sure. that it was a 
almost fully original piece that I, I loved it. It was gorgeous. Um, I unfortunately didn't buy anything of it. Um, I should have, but hopefully it'll be back next year. Yeah, yeah. There, there's like a lot of rumors that if when they were trying to figure out this year, like if they were going to run it, that the scare zones were going to have to be well, socially distanced was to have been expected. Yeah. And like the the constant running theory, um, I think we talked about it. I think we uh, our good friends over at HHN 365 talked about it. But it looks like if you're kind of going off speculation, maybe this was just a fun piece, but like it seemed like the constant rumor was, hey, this year's scare zones, because they can't give us like dedicated original ideas are going to kind of be these not stunt stages, but these like live action performances and like this poster could have pulled from that. And I think yeah. this is going to be one of those interesting, like, is that actually what happened? Is that just like <laughs> fan theorizing? I would love to know. I am curious, like if this had been any other year and it wasn't an anniversary year, I feel like they could have gone through with the event and it wouldn't have been as impactful to the community. If it was like HHN 28, HHN 29, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal for them to make it a smaller version of itself. Mm -hmm. But because it's 30, they really had to like think about, do we want a watered down 30 or do we want 30? So um, I think it would have been interesting to see what this year would have looked like with those quote unquote, you know, stages or, you know, no shows or, you know, socially distant houses and plexiglass on all of the houses. Like, it's so interesting to think about. Yeah. And I think it is one of those things that is like, you're going to take what you can get. Next year is going to be exciting regardless. But it does bring up the interesting conversation as far as is HHN 30 going to be as hyped up because we basically, minus scare zones, kind of have everything out in the open. Yeah. Um, HN Nightmares did post that speculation map. That for the houses that actually opened, I mean, one of them was a very easy guess, but for the houses that actually opened and things that we had heard is like 100% accurate minus like little changes that could happen in the next year. So does that kind of take away from the hype of next year a little bit for you just because it's not like, you know, we start speculation season November like third and it just goes all the way till September next year. I feel like we're really not doing that this year just because we kind of have an idea of what's coming, even if they do replace two of these houses that we're going to talk about. Yeah, it it kind of takes the surprise out of it. That's for sure. Because I think uh, Nightmare's new map also includes the scare zones or yeah partial. I think it included. Zones. I think it included Creep Show, um, which was yeah. a constant rumor that was already it was backed up in the tribute store as well because we got the Creep uh, Funko Pop. That right, randomly yeah. showed up as well. Yeah. I think they said the the Avenue of the Stars scare zone was like an anniversary zone, which kind yeah. of explains that shirt that you were talking about. I could see that. I actually really like that idea of them doing something like that. Um, what if instead of doing like the icons through Hollywood, they just do kind of like a tribute to all scare zones, but mostly America? Uh, I think that'd be cool. I mean, you definitely have the Vamp 55s, the... Uh, oh gosh, that Seven Deadly Sins one that people love. Yeah, just the, seven. Uh, you have, yeah, you get a vanity. You get have a whole bunch of like best of scare zones that a lot of people like, and all you have to do is just throw a couple of costumes out there, and maybe some stages. Throw in a couple stages. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, you could absolutely do something like that. Um, if even not in Hollywood, you could do it in the front of the park, like they do with um, was it Altars of Horror? Yeah, I was actually thinking if they were gonna do uh, stars, they should do it basically like Altars of Horror. Yeah, uh, just because like I think that that's really conducive. You can do the signs. I do feel like maybe that leads to like some confusing like brand imaging because yeah. instead of being like, hey, here's the houses you can go through, it's more like, hey. Here's things that we've celebrated previously. Yeah. I still think the harvest is the best, the best thing that has been in that area for a while. Right? Agreed. Agreed. And arcade was, was a step up too, I think. Um, it's just the harvest was the, I think that was the scariest zone we've seen in there for a little bit, just because the actors knew how to work it. Plus yeah. scarecrows. Oh. Scarecrows just work for people. Oh, for sure. And the fact yeah. that it was almost like a teaser for what you were going to experience in the park because they had the signs for Halloween and Poltergeist and Stranger Things. And it was almost like you were walking through like a movie trailer being scared along the way. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah, Agreed. Agreed. Well, let's go ahead and go into the next room of the tribute store so we can dive into the houses. But the next room is one that I didn't want to skip over because it is kind of like a a two and a half room, that hallway with all the HHN map brochures with like some weird exceptions, like Bloody Mary being removed from it. And then like Jack (laughs) being the only one on the sweet 16. Like there was some weird stuff, but still like it was a, it was a history of HHN. And obviously, you know, considering what we do, this was a very cool room to walk through. Oh yeah. It was so cool. And there's some photos that were included on that wall that aren't in like online archives that were only available, available to like the Horror Nights people that we got to see and like behind the scenes photos. Sometimes I think I I saw a couple. Um, I think my favorite on the wall was the Robosaurus though. Yeah. 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 Bring back Robosaurus. I don't care how you have to do it. I don't care if you have to blow three of your five scare zone budgets, just make it happen. (laughs) Have him eating scarecrows is what I'm oh, saying. It would be yeah. the greatest experience of all time. Honestly, um, just but- put his head somewhere. <laughs> put it in. Oh man, could you imagine going into Carnival Graveyard and there was just Robosaurus's head? Oh my god! Stop. That- That's amazing. <laughs> I know. I know. It was Carnival Graveyard too. It was great. Um, but it is. It was such a cool room. Just going through there and seeing the pictures, and I feel like that brings a, me to one of my favorite parts about HHN is that the event in the grand scheme of like theme parks is still relatively new, you know, like 30 years is quite a history, but in the grand scheme of like Walt Disney world and Disneyland and like Efteling and like all these other amazing theme park things like HHN is kind of a baby. And the fact that all this is documented with pretty good quality video and pictures, I think even Mike said during one of the AP like conversations a couple years ago that every house has been like kind of filmed and put into their archives. I'm like, Oh my God, like, please give us access to that sort of stuff. I would love to see it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why they don't. I feel like that's bizarre. You're never going to bring it back. Just open up a Halloween Horror Nights Patreon. People will pay for it. That's right. We can just watch the videos. HHN OnlyFans. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> but so once you're through that hallway though you do enter to the the first like strictly original thing which is like this creepy attic which is just like hey where are you gonna serve food at how about a fucking creepy attic that's the place <laughs> to do it um if you know anything about rumors though that this room was not supposed to be original mm. it's supposed to be based off a of property that 
is quote unquote not confirmed for last year or this year, whatever. Understood. Yeah. Understood. Uh, but it was a really cool way that it put together. I, I I saw like a bunch of little fan theories that was like, oh, is the dollhouse like is that uh, tribute to Cindy? And you've got the piano, and there are so many different Easter eggs in there. But the room was so dark, and it was like bathed in this backlight uh, that I just feel like I didn't see nearly everything that was there on display in I, that room. It took me a couple visits to realize that the the T-shirt inking thing was in that room. <laughs> I didn't even realize it. I was like, oh, oh. This, this room's kind of small. Oh, it's because there's a whole thing back there. Um, I think this room was my favorite, though, just because it was covered in so much stuff. And I yeah. loved it. I think there was an actual print-off ticket for the Universal Plaza Theater uh, hidden in this room that, that mm -hmm. people had found. Um, I was sent a picture of it, and I'm like, I have no idea where it is, but that's awesome! <laughs> um, and I know, like, that was actually a hot topic for debate amongst the, like, real diehards. It was like, is it the Plaza Theater or the Palace Theater? I'm about to have an aneurysm figuring it out. And they're basically like, don't worry, both are accurate. It doesn't matter. Um, I will say... The treats were great. I really didn't partake in any of it. And then on the other side of the room, I I hate to say this. I'm sorry. I know some of y'all were just like, what's the worst puns we can put on this thing? Because some of the t-shirts were oh, awful. <laughs> I actually got kind of angry at some of the shirts because some of them were a little uh, distasteful when it came to like making jokes about quarantine and COVID. Yeah, there and was like the quarantine like, hair, don't care. Yeah, I was like, this is, this, it's a little distasteful, especially for a, a theme park that's open in the middle of a global pandemic. You should probably chill with this kind of stuff. Sure, sure. I will say one that was like the most meme worthy, the most meme worthy piece of merchandise that has ever been released at the event, besides maybe the Amulet of Fear was the custom t-shirt that said, Scared of Jack the Clown? Meet Kyle. And I just think it was, oh my god. Whoever did that, you knew fully well what you were doing. Yeah, it was Kevin or, or Kyle, one of those. Like, somebody who's gonna, like, down a whole monster and then punch through your drywall, is my point. Um, but, like, it was it was hilarious. Um, I don't know who made that, but I customized it and just like put so many different things on there, and I loved it. I got a good chuckle every single time I walked by it. You love it, but you also hate it. The fact that oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of it felt like super. Just I don't know. Just like not just I said distasteful already, but like super like like you said meme worthy and like corny. And just not very uh, horror nightsy. Like, it didn't seem uh, in tone with it at all. No, no, no. It's very much for like not the local people, but the people who come to horror nights for one night and then go home. But going into the next room, this is something that I feel like we're going to have to say twice, just because like you and I have an appreciation for this film, but it's not one of our our top ten or our, our top twenty things that right. that we've ever seen. Um, and that's just Beetlejuice. Uh, Beetlejuice was so interesting, just because like it was really weird that they opened this room up. Like the fact that they opened this this room with no confirmation on hey, this is the house for, or what was supposed to be this year. Like, 
even your most casual fan base was able to put two and two together. Like, Oh, this was something that was coming to the event this year. And even before then we had like the t-shirts and the face masks, like leak a day or two early. So it was one of those things where it was like, what is this whole Beetlejuice thing? And I can only imagine just like the collective, like what the fuck that went on for the people who don't follow this day in and day out on Twitter or your various forums. Right. Like if you're just coming into Universal Studios for literally a day or like the weekend or like at this point during the pandemic, let's say you're driving down from Jacksonville to go to Universal for a day and you walk into, you don't know what it is. It just says tribute store and you walk in and they're oh, okay, there's Frankenstein. I recognize Frankenstein. You go to the next room, it's like, oh, I don't recognize any of this. And then you go to the next room, and it's like, oh, snacks. Okay. And the next room, you're like, oh, here's Beetlejuice. I thought this yeah. show closed down like three years ago. What's happening? It's very yeah, yeah. for the average guest. It was also weird because like, I feel like they could try to play it off a little bit more if all the merch wasn't actually labeled Halloween Horror Nights 2020. Um, yeah. like they could have just said, Hey, here's, here's a new line of Beetlejuice merch to celebrate the Halloween season. And people probably, the casual people probably would have went, Oh, okay. That's very cool. Thank you. Universal. But the fact that it was all labeled and I understand you don't just alter that. And they probably had that stuff on stock for weeks before that point of that store opening or that section of yeah. the store. It's just, it was weird. And it started the whole conversation yeah. of, oh my goodness, is this basically confirming Beetlejuice for next year? And then it was like, surprise, this is confirming Beetlejuice for two days at the very end of the event. <laughs> we don't even know that, but it, it that's what it is. We didn't even know the day before what was happening. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, we'll, we'll talk um, about that. But like, this is such a, this was a very cool room. I feel like, I feel like the reason Ghostbusters worked is it was so much to look at in a confined space. I felt like the Beetlejuice room was a little too big, given what they had to work with as far as like merchandising. But also, I don't know how you would do justice to like that staircase scene if it wasn't a longer room yeah. like that. I don't even know. Like me looking at that store, that's not what I had originally thought was going to go in that room. I was picturing like the dinner scene and. I mean, obviously the graveyard, uh, but I was picturing other things. And then I was like, oh, yeah, the, the snake with the the staircase. That's cool. And then uh, Dante's and all that stuff. I was like, it was really neat. Um, I thought it was perfectly open for, you know, COVID guidelines and stuff like that. Um, That's something I hadn't considered. Yeah. Yeah. When it was really busy, though, it was kind of a, a madhouse. But can you imagine, like, that room with, like, two more stands of merchandise? It would have been sure really bad. But, sure, sure. Um, I mean, I thought it was. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's built by people who don't do the horror nights houses. It's built by someone like a completely different team. So what they were able to do is incredible. Yeah, that did. I, I'm glad you brought it up because if I had one like major pet peeve this season, it was the amount of rumors that went around on like the Facebook groups and just like even on parts of Twitter that was like. Uh, the reason this isn't happening this year is because they pulled everything to go into the store. And I'm like, not sure who started that or where that information came from, or if it was just baseless speculation, but that was kind of my pet peeve. It's like the reason we're not getting Beetlejuice is they pulled everything out of it for the store. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if it worked that way, but it doesn't. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't it's like they knew that people will want to do various photo ops with these things and built two of them if they needed it um yeah there is something like i gotta say i think the coolest photo op we've ever had in one of these tribute stores honestly is the beetlejuice tombstone because whether or oh, not yeah. you were a diehard beetlejuice fan walking in and seeing that tombstone it was like oh my God, this is awesome. And this is such a definitive piece of pop culture. It was like the Ghostbusters wall last year. You had to get a picture of it, even if you were just a casual fan of the property. Yeah, I thought, it, I mean, I thought it was really smart the way that they set it up. Cause if the line stretched all the way down, you know, to the entrance of the room, you could stand in line and leave the line and go take a photo because each photo op was basically on each side of the line. And I yep. thought it was really smart. Yeah, agreed. And then just making the waiting room uh, kind of the the checkout uh, section, I think, was really inspired. And then going in through the hallway and then getting that final waiting room scene with the couch and uh, the the iconic music playing as you walked out. It just really set a good mood. Yeah, it was great. I mean, they, they really put a lot of hard work into it. So going into the next room or, well, excuse me, going into the next part. On the September 19th, we were dropped with some news, or excuse me, a few days before, we were dropped with some news that on September 19th, some houses were going to be opening up for what they were calling the Halloween seasonal testing experience or event. And those two houses were Mm -hmm. Revenge of the Two Fairy and The Bride of Frankenstein Lives. And I just remember all of us collectively freaking out. People are like, how am I making it down for two days? And I basically... I'm not sure why I took the responsibility on myself, but I did. I'm like, hey, hey, calm down, calm down. Like, they're not just going to open these things for two days, obviously. I guess if something catastrophic happened. But it was one of those things where you and I were messaging each other. And we were like, see you this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) And then we wound up seeing literally every person that we know that weekend. (laughs) Yeah. It was it was definitely I mean, it's not the official title, but it was definitely HHN light, like getting the entire gang together to see these Halloween Horror Nights houses was, I don't know, like the closest semblance to normal that I had all year, even though it wasn't happening at dusk. It was happening at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I I said it on uh, the podcast with Matt, but it feels every single time it feels like a family reunion. Where you go to oh, it does. Night of Horror Nights and literally everybody you know is there from you haven't seen in a year and everybody is there. And it is like a little mini family reunion. You all go you go grab drinks and you grab food and you stand in line. Um, and it's just a it's it's nice just to see people you haven't seen in a while, even if it is like socially distanced and you're wearing masks and it's 98 degrees outside. Sure, sure. And it is one of those things. So the day before they officially opened to the public, the gold tier, uh, how, or excuse me, the gold tier universal passes, uh, pass holders did get a chance to check out these two houses. And unfortunately, that experience didn't seem to have gone off so well. Um, I have a couple friends who were there that day and it was, it was kind of a mess, but full kudos to them in the day of practice, they really turned it around. I think we had as great of a first day as we possibly could seeing these two houses once yeah. they were open to the public. I was looking forward to the glow sticks. I'm kind of sad that we hit them. <laughs> I think they just realized they're like, there's no way. Like, we're just going to have people with their lightsabers stop people. It's fine. It's going to work. It but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wanted to be walking through the houses like Terry Crews and White Chicks in that rave scene. <laughs> 
Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but so we'll go ahead and start with the. Well, my first house was, uh, was Revenge of the Two Fairy. Was that yours as well? No, mine was Bride. Actually, okay. Well, which one do we want to talk about first? I'm going to let you pick. Um, let's talk about Tooth Fairy first. Okay. Okay. So Revenge of the Two Fairy is one that, um, you know, we just had that interview not too long ago that I sat down with Patrick and I asked him about uh, Revenge of the Two Fairy because both of these houses were his creation. Um, And Patrick, if you're listening to this, we hope you're doing well. Um, But Revenge of the Two Fairy was kind of a passion project. It was something that he had worked on. He said for a couple years, there were a lot of rumors last year that Two Fairy was supposed to be showing up in some capacity. The, The popular guesses that that was replaced with us and then it was brought back this year as one of the original houses and uh it really made an impact on people shelby this was one that was pretty close to your heart i loved it i thought it was gorgeous i remember asking uh them i'm just gonna say them last year uh like hey what what happened to tooth fairy and they're like oh it's it's top secret and i'm like oh okay i guess it's top secret then and <laughs> Uh, cause it showed up this year. Uh, but that I, you were there, you were there for my first reaction for that yeah. facade and oh my God, that it's, that facade will go down in history as one of my favorite facades just cause it is literally a moving piece of art. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I think as a child who was always infinitely amused by pop-up books and like pull tabs and books and that sort of thing, seeing that and just like grand scale really made that something special. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. And I, I both houses had this element and I talked about it with Matt, how each room was kind of narrated by yeah. a, a narrator and telling you what's happening in the story. And I thought that was something cool that we haven't seen before. It was very cool because in a way, like narrated houses, it's not the first time this has been done, but I don't think they've been done to like this sense of scale um, where these two houses are narrated by either this omniscient narrator or the bride herself and her respective house. And it does give you an interesting perspective. And like, this was a very special year because we basically got to hear everything instead of just kind of like walking through um, in a conga line or as quick as possible. You kind of got to spend a little bit more time in these rooms than you normally would. And I think like that narration kind of ingrained itself. Like I feel like the two fairy narration in general is one of those things that people are still going to be talking about because that, that opening was so distinct with the banners and then rounding the corner into the facade. There was just something about seeing those words on the page that really resonated with people. And James, I don't believe in fairies. And then just the music. (laughs) You don't fuck up, A.A. Ron. Yeah. (laughs) During your interview with Patrick, did he mention that the kid's voice, James's voice is his son's? No, I had no clue. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought that was really cool that uh, James uh, Westburn, Westthorne's voice is Patrick's kid's voice. Oh, that's awesome. One thing that I thought was very cool that he did confirm to me that the old man, not old man, but kind of just like the regal gentleman with the cane that you see in the stained glass walking through <laughs> is actually Charles Gray. I absolutely love that. I, I saw that the first time I or the first time I walked through and I saw that I was like, oh my god, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he designed it. He's like, I'm putting a tribute in one of our houses. And he was like, okay, well, I'm gonna do the same. And the first time Charles went through there, he's like, What a mess. What a beautiful mess. And I love it. Uh, but 
Talking about the the house itself, I got a little bit of flack, uh, joking-wise, from Patrick himself when I said, this kind of feels like the next evolution of what you would expect from, like, scary tales. Um, Which, and all I mean by that is, you're taking something that's very familiar to people in, like, childhood uh, familiarity, and then expanding upon that in a grotesque and gory way. And I feel like this really is kind of the, the, the subtitle for this was bedtime stories. And it kind of feels like the spiritual adjacent or spiritual successor to what we've seen from years of scary tales. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It really felt like a, like you kind of said earlier, like a side quest to uh scary tales. It felt like a, a spinoff of that sort of vein of, uh, haunted houses like whimsical and also spooky and scary but also like fantasy i loved it yeah yeah well talking about you know you're a big character person the two fairies themselves were you into it did you love it I, they were adorable i thought they were <laughs> great i thought yeah. they like every single scare actor in that house just had, they had so much energy whenever they scared i thought it was great i don't like teeth like grins are not my not my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only scare in that house that I could not look at was the the lady with her teeth being pulled out. Like she Oh, okay. Ugh, couldn't look at her. Couldn't do it. I mine I mine bad. that made me mine that made me uncomfortable was actually who I'm imagining as kind of like the uh Daddy Westhorn, uh the proprietor of the household. Him in bed with his dead wife and his jaw is like all cracked and like hanging sideways from where they've pulled out oh, his teeth. Yeah. That was gross. It was also kind of hard to see sometimes, though, depending on, like, the lighting and the angle with sure. the, the curtain in the way. But that, that is that something was- that I kind of wanted to bring up. Do you think these houses were brighter than what we would have gotten during a normal HHN? Yes. I think that our eyes adjusted more easily in these houses than they would have been uh, or than they would have during a regular Horror Night season. Because sometimes even when I'm wearing sunglasses and I go into a house, it takes me a while to adjust. But for this, I could go in without sunglasses and be fine. I think they definitely pulled some lighting. I think it's interesting just because like more so than any other year, this year I was able to have so many one-on-one individualized experiences through these houses. Like I was able to walk through Two Fairy effectively alone. I was able to walk through Revenge of Brinkins... Revenge of Frankenstein. Revenge of Frank. <laughs> the Bride of Frankenstein lives. Revenge of Bride of Frankenstein lives, featuring James Westhorn. Um, <laughs> I was able to walk through. My point being, I was able to walk through both these houses in pretty much obscurity with just me and like really getting lost in the environments. And I feel like that was another reason they had to be lighted up as well, just because. Um, Let's not kid ourselves. Minus the hardcore fan audience, it doesn't seem like these attractions pulled in too many of your casual day guests. No, 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 no. Especially after like the first couple of weekends, you realize that the wait times were walk-ons every single time. Yeah. Because I remember the the first weekend we were waiting, even with our virtual wait times, we were waiting like at least an hour in that line just to get in the house. Um, And after that, it was, you didn't have to get a virtual time. You could walk in. You could just walk in. You were probably by yourself or whoever you went with. And I mean, they were yeah. great. I will say all the the actors uh, just gave it 110%, whether it was just you walking through or an entire party. Uh, they never let up. And that deserves a lot of recognition. 
Yeah, we we definitely need to appreciate that we will never have this kind of experience again. Agreed. Um, even if we were masked and uh, divided by plexiglass, we will never be pulsed through a Halloween Horror Nights Orlando house ever again. Not nearly as much as we've gotten, at least. Uh, I could see maybe them yeah. doing like the thing that they tried during like 28, where it was like, oh, you're pulsed, but as soon as you make it through the next room, you're back in the conga line. And that's just unfortunately yeah. how it is with like a normal crowd. But yeah, but talking about Two Fairy, getting back on track just a little bit, I just think this was a really cool house from a design aesthetic. I will say, I feel like the most common complaint about this one, and I'm curious if you had anything to say about it. A lot of people said that this feels like a tent location. It didn't really take advantage of the soundstage space. No, I feel like it It felt like a half soundstage. Like it could have yeah. been like a Dead Waters kind of size. Um but it felt like a scary tales. It felt like it needed that massive facade and it felt like it needed that cool air in a soundstage in order to work, especially the sense that it had with like the, the fire and the, uh, the bakery or the kitchen and stuff like that. I liked yeah. it. I don't know. I, a lot of people didn't. Um, I will say this is my favorite house from the season. Um, just because the amount of detail it has and it's an original, like I'm, I, I mean, I guess you could argue that Bride of Frankenstein is original, but it's also based off an existing IP. Sure. It's technically an IP. They still have to license it from but, Universal Motion Pictures. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I like I, Tooth Fairy's always been a rumor for like the last five years, something like that. So I, I, that's why I like it. I don't know. Sure. Well, so not to not to quote the evil company, but uh, a good idea <laughs> never truly goes away. Um, and I, I truly believe that regardless of whatever park we're talking about. But going into The Bride of Frankenstein Lives, uh, this was my favorite house of the season. I'll just go ahead and say that, maybe spoiling like a ranking. I don't even think we have to do a ranking because just going ahead and tossing it out, all three of these houses are very well done. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any debate there. But Bride of Frankenstein Lives, um, you know the Universal Monsters is something that means a lot to me. It means a lot to uh, Matt. And like he said that this is possibly one of his favorite houses of all time. Um, they had a lot to live up to after HHN 29's Universal Monsters house. I will say, I think I still prefer that one, but that's just yeah. because I think getting so many different classic monsters versus just focusing on one is more interesting to me personally. But it's kind yeah. of like, it's kind of like, hey, you got the Avengers first and now you're going off and doing like the solo movies. Like, whether or not that's going to work for you. Like you and I uh, have a mutual friend and this is their favorite house of all time. Like no cap. This is the house oh, yeah. that they've gone through the most. They've yep. experienced the most. And I think it is very effective at telling a really interesting story. And how often have we said, Hey, like they can make a Halloween Horror Nights movie. Like this is perfect. Uh, like you could totally make this oh, into yeah. like a modern sequel to the Bride of Frankenstein. You know what it feels like? It feels like a you like a live fan fiction. Yeah, sure. That's what it feels like. Uh, it's great. Um, but you know how hardcore I am about vampires, and for me to not see those ladies with their actual fangs out and wearing like fake masks, like that's the only thing that like kind of kept me back. I wanted those ladies with their fangs out and <laughs> in my face, but I couldn't have it because. COVID sucks. 
I get it. I will say the scares in this house, though, featuring the vampires, some of the most like inventive scare placement consistently that I've seen in my time going to the event. I feel like this is one of those rare houses where every single room hits. Like every single one of them is memorable. None of it bleeds together. And a lot of that does come down to not only the cast. Uh, shout out to the HHN fandoms. Uh, favorite girl, uh, which is the bride's assistant, who is just like the unofficial mascot of HHN Light. Um, but just oh, yeah. every single scene in this house was so impactful and so good. And it's just, I think this is why this house is going to remain so high up for people. And this is the one, if I've got to fight for. Look, just let, let's just say Beetlejuice is up in consideration to even though I don't can think it is. I feel like if I had to fight for any of these houses to come back next year in an expanded format, I would really want this one. I will say that, though. I would like I feel like with Tooth Fairy, I've seen Tooth Fairy in its complexity. I feel like we've seen Tooth Fairy for what it is, except for like maybe two spots. Mm-hmm. Bride, I want to see again without COVID restrictions. I want to see sure. it in its full form. There's so many spots that those uh, those vampires could have popped out and they didn't, and I want to see that. So yeah. I want that one to come back. Just um, this is something that I wanted to give them credit for too. Um, we did actually see uh, several women of color in the Bride of Frankenstein role, and I think that's awesome um, that they're yeah. kind of approaching more of a, a color neutral for casting of characters like this. I I know it's a small thing, but. Universal, it's it's not really a small thing. It goes a, a long way towards representation, and uh, it was noted. It was very, very cool to see that. But even, uh, I feel like the most common one was actually the Facade Bride, which, talk about, talk about a scene, like, absolutely heartbreaking, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing to say about a Halloween Horror Nights house. Yeah, it was, uh, just her screams were just, like, you. it automatically conveyed the emotion that you had to feel through the rest of the house. And I thought yeah. it was uh, it was gorgeous, especially with the when you see the preamble of uh, the projection on the right mm-hmm. when you look through the flats on the walls and you see what's happening, and then you see Frankenstein under the rubble, or sorry, Frankenstein's monster under the rubble, and you understand exactly what's going to happen next, and it's just perfect. Yeah, my uh, my favorite tweet um, that that I made this season was uh, the original title was. The Bride of Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein's fucking dead, was rejected by Comcast, and that's why they went with The Bride of Frankenstein Lives. Um, but, like, that really sums up that scene. The fact that he's all crushed and literally in pieces, it's like, oh, man. Yeah. They, uh, they really went hard on the guy. Um, but then just, like, following her story and, like, seeing her gain her own agency, which is something that she didn't have that in that original movie, um, it, it was very inspired, and I think it's a very cool idea to have her being this morally ambiguous gray character. Like she's not, she's not a good person. <laughs> but on the other hand, like you could be like, oh well, she's harvesting like these vampires to resurrect the one she loves. That's very gothic romance. That's very tragic. But like she's also like harvesting the villagers, and they're like they're pissed, and they're like rioting in her home. It's like. Yeah, she's not a good character, but you still feel for her. And that's what I mean. Like, it's a complex character that you really get invested in her story. Yeah, that's why I want a sequel. I want where, like, Dracula comes back and seeks revenge against Bride. I I want it. Look, look, Universal. Look, I know you're listening. Hear me (laughs) out. You know that scene from the ends of Pirates of the Caribbean when, uh, 
Captain Jack Sparrow's in his chair, kind of rocking back and forth in a treasury room. Give me that with Dracula in a house, and I will just like, I'll lose my mind. Give give me Dracula's treasury is all I'm asking. If you ever do a sequel. <laughs> But yeah, Bride of Frankenstein lives. We talked about it in the reviews. You guys talked about it together. Was there anything that we really needed to shout out in particular about this one before we moved on to Beetlejuice? I guess I'll say that uh, the amount of women and uh, non-binary people included in both of these houses is more than I've seen in uh, a long time with Horror Nights, especially with like uh, the main actors in the houses and also uh, women of color included. Um, I will imp- like. I definitely appreciate that level of care going into casting. Yeah, yeah, and it is super interesting. Just like not only that, but I feel like oftentimes at Halloween Horror Nights, um, a lot of the roles are very stereotypical for women. Um, I don't think that's there are strong female characters, whether that's the icon or like the voodoo queen. But a lot of times, in kind of like your slasher houses. They're more so just screaming and, and playing the victim. Um, and to see the the female characters get kind of the uh, their time to shine, or the female actresses, uh, their, their time to shine in these roles and be the main characters of these stories is, is very special. Yeah, absolutely. It's All right. Need. Yes, absolutely. Well, Universal said, y'all doing anything for Halloween? Let's get it. And uh, on October 31st, the day of, um, they basically just said, Beetlejuice is open. Good luck, you bastards. And that's basically what happened. Beetlejuice opened as virtual queue only. There's so much speculation about why this happened. Um, There's so much talk about what the hell universal like i don't understand why are you guys doing this this way and i think like shelby and i don't know the story like we can't tell you and even if we did we're not in a position to tell you that story however it seems like from just talking to various people and and just using context clues it seems more like a situation of universal had their hands tied they had to do this so everyone got their fair shot at it next time yeah pretty much um you and i only did it on that sunday right yes yeah we did not make it for halloween um i don't know if you saw the line for guest services after the uh virtual line went out Mm. it was uh it was pretty sad to look at um i don't know if you i mean you were there you got your virtual line ticket pretty much on sunday the virtual line ticket for the beetlejuice house went out at I think it was seven fifty, seven fifty five, something like that, before yeah. the park opened, um, and they were gone in thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah, it was a very, and it was it was gone even quicker, uh, just because like by Sunday, the official news had gone out that the house was going to be open that day. You had to get there. You had to take advantage of virtual queue. And I feel like um, Shelby, you and I are very fortunate enough to just have good people in the community that we're connected with. Um, whether that is, uh, in my case, people like, um, our good friend, Aaron and Jess and Andy and and all those folks, or just, um, various people in the community where it's unfortunate, but you are in a better situation like this. If you are with a group of people trying to get something versus you by yourself or you and your significant other or you and your kid. Um, and it's, 
Yeah, it is an unfair system. I wish that this was something that was email reservation. I feel like that would have given more people a chance. Um, and I also think you could have just cut down on this a lot. I understand why they haven't and why they can't. But I think you would have cut back on a lot of frustration if you would have just said, hey, don't worry, this is our first announcement for HHN 30. We're just giving people that are here for Halloween a special taste as a thank you for not being around this year. If you would have said something like that, I think you could have prevented a lot of the chaos. Yeah. Uh, that Sunday after people had found out that it was a thing, like the hardcore Beetlejuice people came out and the minute the virtual line tickets were gone, I saw like tons of people dressed up as Beetlejuice and Lydia in line at guest services because I knew for a fact they did not get a virtual line ticket. And they sure. had come out because I'm sure they only saw the news Halloween and were like, oh, we have to go. And then they went and they didn't get it. And that kind of yeah. sucks for them. And if you well, it was also just, it's also just confusing for people that don't know the app. If it says it opens at 10 a.m., why is your average person going to be refreshing their feed at 7.45 in the morning? Exactly. Yeah, that, that kind of sucks. Um, and it was kind of disingenuous to a lot of Horror Nights fans because I feel like them, them not communicating that a whole Horror Nights house is opening for two nights. The fact that they didn't communicate that with the fans is a little disheartening. Um, yeah. I understand that there's a lot of loopholes and a lot of miscommunication that happened, but it, it kind of sucks for a lot of hardcore fans what happened. I just wish, like, if this was something that uh, Geffen Entertainment or, or Warner Brothers, whoever, uh, I'm hearing it's less on the Warner Brothers end, but I'm here, like, if this was something that had to happen, um, then I wish this was a case of just being transparent as possible. I understand you can't air out all the information, but like you just said, just saying, hey, sorry you can make it, but Beetlejuice will return, like, put that in the agreement somewhere. Hey, like... This right. is a special treat. It'll be back next year. This is our first announcement for the next year. Like, if you would have done that, I still stand by. Like, it just, it could have turned this situation. Yeah, it sucks if you didn't see it. But you could have been like, okay, well, next year when I go to Halloween Horror Nights, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it Again, it felt like it disingenuous to, to fans. But you and I were messaging the Friday before the 30th, like the 30th about what was going to happen and nobody knew nobody knew what yeah. was happening sure so sure. the fact that it really happened halloween day and no one knew what was happening that's chaos yeah i think you would have had the same reaction with uh if they would have done something similar for ghostbusters if it was ghostbusters this year instead of beetlejuice or stranger things like yeah if anytime you're talking about a property that has the recognition of a beetlejuice a ghostbusters a stranger things like people are going to turn out for it and i think just transparency and once again we totally understand we don't know the back end i just think it is something that would have helped a lot if this is something that ever has to happen in the future god forbid yeah i mean i'm not blaming anybody i just know there were a lot of very disappointed fans who came out that day and didn't yeah. get to see that they came out to see specifically um and it is kind of sucks for them but Again, there was a lot of miscommunication—excuse uh, me—a lot of miscommunication on a lot of ends. So I, I'm not—I'm sure it wasn't anybody's fault what happened, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy yeah. to see it come back next year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed. Like we don't know anything for certain. It was just yeah. kind of one of those things where we're 
we're hoping um that's that's the thing um but this is i do think the closest comparison that we've had to this in recent memory is is ghostbusters as far as taking a very beloved property and adapting it that transcends beyond just like the horror fan base. Yeah. Um, you could say stranger things. Um, you could even say the walking dead because a lot of people that watch the walking dead aren't into traditional horror, but I feel like Beetlejuice is one of those very special properties. Um, I, I feel like ghostbusters last year was like all the boys freaking out. They're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Ghostbusters. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then like this year it was, I feel like a lot of Beetlejuice juice fans are, or, or female and like this was kind of their like rock star thing you know like it was cool to see them go from um it was cool to have that experience myself last year with ghostbusters and then seeing yeah. this whole other subsection of fans get this experience with uh beetlejuice this year oh for sure i mean you can definitely thank the musical for the amount of people that like beetlejuice this time of year agreed Agreed. I think uh, I think the impact, and it's weird because Beetlejuice, like, it's not an anniversary year. It's not like it's celebrating anything special. It was just kind of one of those things, like, hey, it's got the Universal legacy. It's very popular due to the TikTok. The movie never went away. It's a Halloween staple. Uh, with Ghostbusters, it was it was tied into the anniversary. This year, you're just they're just like, hey, like, let's let's just let's just do it. <laughs> Why not? And it would have timed out perfectly. It would have. I, the event would have been a, a hit if Beetlejuice was a part of it, and if COVID wasn't. Yeah, I think this is your. I think this is your headliner property. Honestly, okay. I think this is this is Poltergeist Ghostbusters level, where this is like tier two um, underneath whatever. I, I imagine like Haunting of Hill House probably gets higher billing, and that's probably more due to like a contractual thing than it actually is like you know. Uh, like actual placement, but I think Beetlejuice does get a large focus of the market next year. Yeah, yeah. Well, well let's hope. Let's hope that yeah. he comes back and that it's as good, if not better, than what we saw. God, it's going to be a mess if it doesn't come back. But let's not talk about <laughs> that because we're optimistic. We're gonna we're gonna stay focused. So going in, um, let let's let's talk about the biggest disappointment. The facade is boring. It's 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 pretty i don't i don't want to say lame but it is it's very basic and you kind of want a little bit more than what you've got yeah it's the vinyl just slapped on the side of the building yeah i feel like maybe if they spruce it up with a little bit of projection mapping maybe it could be a little bit better i saw that kind of tossed around but um going into the house i actually think the introductory scene is the highlight of the house i think it's so fun and by doing this, uh, okay, folks, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it because I imagine y'all have seen the facade. Um, if you do not want uh, spoilers for Beetlejuice, thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. We'll see you next time. Uh, but I imagine if you're listening, uh, you're you're here for spoilers. So uh, one last uh, one last little note on the third Beetlejuice. Uh, it's 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 time, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Hey. It's showtime. All right. So um, the entrance room, very cool. I think making Beetlejuice kind of a carnival barker going into his house is a very fun idea. Yeah. I like the the fact that you're going up a ramp. I don't think I've ever seen a ramp in the parade building before. I, I don't remember one. And I imagine that's out of necessity. So for the, the tunnel, which yeah. shout out to the tunnel. It's been a few years. Right. We haven't seen one since uh, Chance, right? Yep. 
26, Lunar Six yeah. Playground. Yeah. I mean, I we said this on Parkscope too, but we were very fortunate to go see Netherworld like the weekend before. So like they had a massive tunnel scene, which I think is like the longest in the United States or something like that. They had a massive yeah. tunnel scene in their haunted house. So like, I feel like if we didn't do that and then we got to the Beetlejuice tunnel, it would have been like, oh my God, it's a spinny tunnel. But uh, you got that one. I think you even had, you had one uh, while you were up in Philadelphia too, right? Yeah, there were there were a few spinning tunnels. There was a spinning tunnel around a uh, a hayride that I got nice. to. That was pretty cool. That's super cool. Um, but yeah, this facade. Yeah, do you think? Do you think this was the original entrance room for the house pre-COVID? No, I don't think, I don't think so, so either. I feel like the way that the ramp looked, it looked very uh, front yard haunted house. It looked very. I will uh, slapped together. Um, I feel like Beetlejuice wasn't supposed to be up that high, uh, but I do feel like he was supposed to be at the entrance on a mic. Like that's supposed to be a thing. I feel but- like, and I'm going to steal this from from my friend Drew. I feel like Beetlejuice was maybe supposed to be outside in that caged area where we saw like the Delta from Ash vs Evil Dead. Oh, I could see that too. Okay. I feel like that makes sense. I'm curious what the entrance would have been otherwise, but I will say I think this is such a highlight and a lot of that almost entirely because it is a very simple scene goes to the actors playing Beetlejuice, which are the park Beetlejuices that they put in the house for the weekend, which I think is great uh, because they've nailed the performance. They've nailed the mannerisms. They're fantastic. Yeah. It adds that level of uh, personalization. That's just great. Yeah. Yeah. We've been seeing him a lot at the the horror makeup show, so to get him actually in the haunted house as a live character, um, not a trigger interacting with people. I'll tell this story. My good friend uh, Jess from the Scream Queens podcast has a massive Beetlejuice uh, half sleeve. It's a portrait that's on her upper arm, and uh, she walks into the house, and uh, Beetlejuice is like, hey, baby, I like your tattoo. And then she's like, thank you. He's like, it's almost life-size. And then she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I've got to I've got to pay tribute to my favorite boy. And uh, he basically said something along the lines of I got one of you, too. And he proceeds to, like, make the the V motion on the top of his penis, um, which is fantastic. It it really set the mood for our first go through that house. And it was like. They're really not set letting back. Hopefully no one's filming in here. <laughs> like, like no one's going to get in trouble. But like, if you're ever going to be so crass with a character, a PG-13 haunted house based on this movie is probably the best place to do it. But you go into that scene uh, with the tunnel, which you mentioned, and then you were immediately in the, the offices um, where you're introduced by Juno. For me personally, I think if Ghostbusters kind of set the template for a house like this, I think Beetlejuice really, I won't say perfected it, but I do think Beetlejuice kind of refined on top of that and gave, I think it from a... a haunted house standpoint it is a more interesting house than ghostbusters was last year yeah i I liked it um i feel like they could have pushed the boundaries as far as like art goes i feel like they really could have like gotten wild with like perspective and stuff and for sure like there's like that one hallway that like goes on forever yeah the endless hallway with the doors yeah yeah but you're you're in a parade building. I definitely feel like they could have expanded on the scale of everything. I, uh, yeah, I liked it. I but they definitely should have like pushed their boundaries. 
I love that scene that you just mentioned. That was probably my favorite like scare scene in the entire thing, which is like the Lost Souls room. Seeing seeing kind of like the black light of the white and the black alternate on that effect and then looking down seeing you're on a checkered white and black board um you've got that really far away door you've got the scares coming from the left and the right it was a really well put together scene um but i feel like the main thing that this house promised you was a lot of beetlejuice time um he is by far the scare actor that's featured the most in the house at least in this iteration um and you basically you got every single version of beetlejuice that you could hope to see yeah and I feel like every actor who portrayed Beetlejuice on every scare like was giving it their all and was doing their best. It was awesome. Every single one. Yeah. You do have a, whether or not this works for you, you do have a little bit of Jack Nicholson from The Shining uh, effect with the hairpiece. <laughs> um, whether or not that's going to distract you or not. It's one of those things that you don't notice the first walk through. Shelby and I, uh, Shelby, I don't want to speak for you, but we're incredibly spoiled to go through these houses so many times we're going to notice things like that. Yeah. But like, all the Beetlejuices are great. You got my favorite, which is kind of like a perennial fan favorite. I love tour guide Beetlejuice. Um, also, yeah. just... Speaking of Beetlejuice, the triggers in this house are awesome. They're so quotable. Yeah, there's a there's a scare near the end, or not a scare, but he's standing there with the uh, the mannequin Lydia. Yeah, the, the in the bride outfit. Do you know if she's supposed to be a mannequin or not? <laughs> so I think there's a couple in here that were made mannequins due to COVID, and I hope like they're refined. The Lydia that is an actual person in the house is someone that you and I recognize um, from online, and she is one of the most like pitch perfect HHN castings I've ever seen for that role. Um, she was incredible in it and really giving it her all um, as Lydia with the I myself am strange and unusual. But that, that scene you're talking about with Wedding Suit Beetlejuice where it's the I do love this man of mine you're asking and I'm saying or, or you know, once again, you're screaming at your radio. But I feel like that's supposed to be a live actor. I also think the Carnival Beetlejuice or the Carousel Beetlejuice is supposed to be a live actor as well because he... He looked a little wonky, uh, to be honest. Yeah, he did. Uh, also, the uh, the dinner scene. Yeah, I think there's I think there's at least two empty scare actors in that scene. I feel like they're all supposed to be dancing, and you just kind of walk through the dinner, and there's well, no dancing. The weird thing is dancing. The weird thing is that room's upside down. So I'm curious if they twisted it after they discovered that COVID was supposed to be a thing. Or, like, if that's something that we get a more regular version of next year where we're getting uh, the various characters in that dinner scene. I don't know. We, we will see. Yeah. Um, just kind of, like, general things that I think, like, some people said this was one of their, their all-time favorite haunted houses, um, which is, you know, that's totally respectable. If Beetlejuice is your thing, you're going to absolutely love this. Yeah. I think there's a couple scenes that I would like to see refined if they are bringing it back next year. Um, and nothing major. I did think it was weird that Adam doesn't have a scare actor in the house at all. Um, everything that he does, he's an animatronic and he's like a mannequin model yeah. um, in one scene. I also think the the penultimate uh, scare with the sandworm kind of feels empty. That feels like an empty room that needs to be fleshed out more. It does, but it is my favorite room in the house. <laughs> Just the sheer sense of scale is ridiculous. Yeah, I think it is like the biggest puppet they've had at Horror Nights that I've experienced. 
Yeah, and it, it's like perfectly silent. It sits there in the darkness until it activates. It looks great. I'm just thinking like in comparison to like Clownzilla where you're like inside the circus tent and it's like a fully themed environment. I wish the sandworm was also in a themed area like that instead of just a pitch black room. Yeah, I mean, literally all you have to do is paint the walls stripes. You know. Yeah, yeah, literally. Do like a, do a, a flicker effect. Um, do the strobes with the, the lights and boom, there you go. Yep, you got it. You're welcome. <laughs> I will say, I think it's got my one of my all-time favorite exit triggers. Um, this is something we talked about a lot last year, just because Slimer as the last stinker scare in Ghostbusters, and then arguably, not even arguably, like it just is, it's just fact, the Frankenstein stinger scare from Universal Monsters last year was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. But uh, the stinger scare for this one, not really a scare, but it's it's really great. The... Uh, that's why I won't do two shows a night anymore. Um, just talk about a perfect way to end your maze for Beetlejuice. Yeah. I just can't imagine it uh, without COVID. Like him coming out and actually being like out there and doing his thing and not behind yeah. the poor plexiglass. You got to think it's probably a dream character for scare actors outside of COVID just because... Being a character like Beetlejuice, you're basically given permission to do whatever you want. Sure, there's like guidelines, but you can get kind of wacky with it. And I, I hope these scare actors get a chance to explore to their fullest uh, capability next year. For sure. For sure. I wish uh, nothing but the best. Yeah. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of talking about these three haunted houses. So HHN Light. For something that we didn't expect at all, talk about a hell of an event. We had a great Halloween season, even removing ourselves from HHN Light, but being fortunate enough to be Orlando residents, um, this was something that I feel like we needed. We were very fortunate to get this Halloween recharge um, that only Halloween Horror Nights knows how to provide, and seriously, Universal, you put on something that you should be very proud of and meant a lot to people. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that it was so last minute and they were able to throw it together and basically only for us hardcore like central floridian people like it was it's really special yeah totally so um we've got to ask now because i feel like it is a common consensus um that if you have your option are you going to bring back all three of these houses next year or would you rather one of them or two of them be replaced to open them up for new things? Let's, let's remove the logistical side of it saying, Hey, like we understand it's a weird time, but let's just say they've got money to build two new original houses. Do you want that? Or would you rather just see these two houses again, possibly expanded on? Um, I want to see Beetlejuice and Bride again. Like I said before, I think that Tooth Fairy was done to the point that I'm satisfied, but I do want to see Bright and Beetlejuice done again next year, and I do want something to replace Tooth Fairy. That sounds bad. It sounds like, oh, I don't want to see it again, ever again. I mean, I do, but I feel like with what I saw with Tooth Fairy, I am very satisfied. It is one of those things where I think when you're talking about Beetlejuice and Bride, I can see those being two very cloud, uh, excuse me, I can see those being two very crowd-pleasing houses. Mm-hmm. Two Fairy, I can see being more divisive for a general audience, being perfectly honest, because right now you are attracting the diehard market. For sure, yeah. Like, as, as much as a, a passion project as Tooth Fairy was, 
I feel like all of us were pretty satisfied in what we saw um, and what we were able to experience, especially with like the facade and the scenic. It was gorgeous, but I feel like that house has had its run. Sure. Sure. And I think that once again, no, and you just said this, like that's obviously not said with any malicious intent or any dislike of the house. It's just, I feel, I agree with you. I think two fairy has said what it needed to say and I would be okay with them replacing it if it is one of the cases of one of these houses have to go to make way for something new. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then you and I are also approaching it from the standpoint of you and I did get to see it um, teams of times. We do have people that live overseas or could not travel for health restrictions that would love to ferry. So like, it's also hard to say that because maybe there is, even if it's not intentional, a slight hint of selfishness in wanting to see something new. Sure. But if you're coming from out of state or out of country, what are the two houses that you want to see next year? It's probably going to be Bride and it's probably going to be Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah. My point, my, yeah, I, I still stand with the, my point. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. But yeah, so I think that is as good of a note as any to uh, leave on. Once again, Universal, pat yourselves on the back. This was an incredible experience, even if it wasn't full Halloween Horror Nights. But we can't wait to scream with you guys again next year. I do yeah. want to go ahead and... Oh, go on ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I was saying, like, at the beginning of everything, like, I was very much anti-Horror Nights at the beginning of every, like, this whole COVID everything. I was like, we need to not have an event whatsoever. Nothing. Leave it as it is. I'll see it next year. But with what Universal was able to do with Horror Nights Light and the social distancing and the masks and everything, I felt like they did a really good job and I felt pretty safe. And it's kind of sad when I can feel more safe in a theme park than I can, like, in my local grocery store. Um, yeah. But I, whatever they did, it was great. The house attendants, everybody, the scare actors, the safety precautions, they did a wonderful job. And I will take my words back and saying that I didn't want an event, and I'm very happy with what we got. Agreed. Agreed. Well, hey, that is going to bring us to the end of another episode of the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. I do want to thank my good friend and co-host yet again, Shelby, for joining me. Thanks. I uh, had a wonderful time and I'm sad that it's over. Hey, hey, but I will say the Macy's Day Palloon Haunted House, incredible. <laughs> you get a get a good fright by Santa at the end. Just, ooh, you can't top it. <laughs> oh my God. Shelby... <laughs> If the folks want to, you've been doing a really interesting project where we talked about that uh, Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights like 30th anniversary comic book issue print and t-shirt. You've kind of spun off that design into doing your own HHN inspired merch uh, with these like prints that you've been doing. Um, so if people want to see those and possibly check those out, where's the best place to do that? Um, I pretty much have been doing a print like every week. Um, I am taking a, a break this week. Um, but I will come out one with one for uh, Thanksgiving. That's going to be pretty cool. Um, but if you want to like keep track with all these like art prints that I'm doing, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram under Wendiguts, which is spelled W E N D I G U T Z. If you want to follow me there, if you don't just keep listening to this podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, Shelby, I will say, uh, once this is all completed and done, I, uh, I, I am not buying all the prints individually. However, <laughs> I do want them in a collected edition, like coffee book that I can flip through. I'm thinking about it. If I get to at least to like 20 or 25, I'm going to come out with a book. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's exactly what I want. Um, and hold me one of them tomb of the ancients. That's what we bonded over. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and if you want to keep up with me, the best place to do that is, of course, right here on the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. You can also listen to my adult pop, uh, excuse me, my adult pop culture podcast called Grim Gritting Hosts on the Real Fans for Real Movies Network. And additionally, you can also keep up with, if Disney's your thing, Disorder Every Disney Film, where we've looked back at each theatrically released Disney animated film in order. Um, additionally, if you want to see me, uh, HHN shitpost all the time. It never ends. God help me. Mercy on my soul. Follow me on Twitter at HanBrolo77. That's H-A-N-B-R-O-L-O-7-7. But for now... Oh, go on ahead. Sorry, you can also email both of us at yes. NeilsAz or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to see covered in between like the history episodes, which, uh, speaking of which, HHN 25 Retrospective Part 2 is coming very soon, which is going to focus on the houses. Very excited to talk about that. Um, so yeah, if you got an idea for a topic that you'd like to be covered during the off-season, that would be an awesome place to do that. Once again, that's Hunter at Neozaz.com or Shelby at Neozaz.com. But for now, for Shelby the caretaker, the usher, the storyteller, and Jack the Clown himself. This has been the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights, and thank you for screaming with us. Thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is a Neozaz Internet Entertainment production. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, visit our website at neozaz.com. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Universal Studios Florida. All Halloween Horror Nights properties, icons, titles, events, and related items are property, trademark, and copyright Universal Studios or their respective trademark and copyright holders. For more Halloween Horror Nights coverage, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast and follow our Twitter account at neozaz. To help support the series and all the work we do at Neozaz, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening.